0: everything in beat making is a pattern the trick is making it not sound like a pattern but making it still feel like a pattern
1: this is champagne is also a band podcast one songwriter one song i'm sven your host for a journey into the music of champagne urbana recorded in the blue box studio with a songwriter from the champagne urbana music scene past or present champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the champagne showers podcast network Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Professor Lamont Holden, a.k.a. the Letter L Beats. And you may know Letter L Beats as working with uh, Jarell Young, uh, Yanir Gaines, Greg Whiskey, Little Doug, and also the producer of the Illini Anthem. So, L welcome to the show thank you i appreciate you having me so today we're going to be listening to your beat um should i how what's the way to say that um, we're going to be listening to your beats um, i mean yeah beats that's what okay. i do i make beats <laughs> excellent so yeah. um you've selected one of your beats kind of the working title is the joey beat yeah. so without further ado let's listen to the beats welcome back so let me just start with how did this beat come about do you usually start with like the mpc or do you or do you have a drum beat laid out that you're thinking about or i'm just curious about what your process is
0: yeah so i use reason i use a daw or digital audio workstation in fact it's the very same one we're recording this podcast on i try to come up with like a loop something that feels good right i think with this particular beat it's weird because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of producers, myself, and I did it for about four years. I don't really engage in it as much anymore, but the whole like tight beat thing, right? What I'll do is when I start on something just to have a working title and save it, I'll, it'll just be something random. So I don't know how I landed <laughs> on the name Joey. I think at the moment, I was trying to make something that I could sample. I was really into Griselda and West Side. I was listening to Pray for Paris. I really wish he would make a Pray for Paris too, but I wanted to make something where I could sample myself, but then the beat just felt so good. I just ran with it. At the end of the day, I think it was a Chowder Scambino times RA Linux type beat. I think that's what it was when I
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, sent that's you the link. Yeah.
0: Like for working producers out there, if you're getting most of your income from actually selling beats, you got to set up a, some kind of market online and so I was doing Beat Stars, and so when I would I had a process, I'd finish a beat, I'd make a piece of art for it, I'd make a video for it, I'd put it on Beat Stars, put it on YouTube, the whole thing. It gives it an assembly line type feel, but you know, and I, I suppose in this case I was okay with it. But yeah, so that's how that beat came about. But what I really wanted it, you know, I consider like my best work. You know what I mean? Um, even with the Alana Anthem stuff, you know, there's a difference between you know what sells or what streams a lot and then the thing that you like really feel good about it's a record that's in process i could tell you there's a whole nother story behind that but because it's not out yet i can't even say that much about it but the thought process behind it was you know sometimes as a producer i'm self-taught i don't have like a traditional music background so i want to prove to myself that i can sound like a band (laughs) Which you know, champagne is also a band. Yeah, I want to prove to myself (laughs) that I can sound like a band. So that's it. And so when you play it for somebody, it's like they they can okay. Well, who'd you get to play guitar? Well, who'd you get to play the drums? No, that's all me. But you know, it takes a certain skill set to be able to do that. You know,
1: was it the drums that you started off with, or did it? You know, it within within your Daw
0: reason. Did you? So there's like a um, jazz guitar patch. Um, and the reason in two, I think when they did reason 11 or they changed the name, to reason studios, they came out with these devices. There was this automatic arpeggiator device and I was teaching this to my students last week in order for those kind of devices to work correctly. You have to have everything quantized on the grid. If you slide it off, just so it'll do some weird things. I did that, but you have to be precise with this old loop correctly in the whole nine. And then what i did was there's this thing called rc color that i put on it and so sort of gave it that like kind of warm fuzz and so the way it's it sounds like somebody's really playing it because yeah. it's not like the predictable way an arpeggiator would work with somebody you know what i'm saying yeah yeah
1: yeah just for our listeners usually an arpeggiator it will take a single note and then run it up a scale or run it through a, a chord pattern or something like that And it's kind of an automatic function of the synthesizer, however Uh, that works.
0: And the way, so this one's kind of like a complicated one, they have a reason. And once you know that and you go back and listen, you'll be able to hear the pattern. You know what I mean? Everything in beat making is a pattern. The trick is making it not sound like a pattern, but making it still feel like a pattern.
1: Here's me trying to interpret what you just said is that you, what you want to do is create the sense of form, but not repetition. Right. Right. So you want to make it feel like you have them all in different packages, but there's enough variation that it doesn't bore the person.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: That's interesting that you mentioned the arpeggiator for that jazz guitar. Because I really think that that's a neat theme that you have running throughout the piece, and it kind of sets itself apart. It doesn't have a typical, like, 808 sound. I I had this kind of weird question, and it's maybe more of a general question. One of the things that I like to think about is, like, what are the parts? You know, like, as a chef (sighs) makes a meal, they they say, look, I need to make sure that it has, it's got to have salt, it's got to have a little bit of sweet, it's got to have acid it's got to have that fat that umami when you're constructing a beat what are the like the elements that you like to like picture in your head and try to create and make sure are kind of in your meal your beat so to speak
0: when i'm making that initial loop before i add the low usually i make my melodic before i add the low end but i tell my students compose with frequency in mind right so usually I'm making either the melody or the counter melody when I'm starting. I won't know until I start putting it together. But usually that's occupying like the middle high or the low high frequency. And so then I kind of build around that. And that's why. And I purposely kind of leave that space for where the drums will be and where I know I'm going to put my low end. So like right there, you have like a natural baseline in that one. I use a uh, arcade by output, right? And it kind of gives you these like one offs or these phrases or these stingers that help you kind of like round out, you know, four or eight bar loops. The other thing I'm thinking, because I'm trying to I'm thinking about your question, like what's the umami? I think about texture. I think about like, you know, fuzz. I think a lot about distortion. I think about, you know, where I'm placing high frequency elements. I love mixing grooves with progressions. I mean, I have some hard and fast rules. And then I try to break them you know gotcha right you know i try to invert my drop after the one i try to combine pre-recorded you know fills that were sampled and lifted from records and i try to play other drums over top of them to come up with my own fills you know what i'm saying yeah and you hear that a lot in the song you know know, with those switch ups and those snare taps and those things so
1: it's interesting to hear that you kind of generate a a melody or kind of a i almost want to say like a theme right And then that's the theme that you use as kind of the forward momentum, maybe forward progression. And then you, what I like is that there's the sound of, oh yeah, I remember that melody. I just heard it. There's a little bit of something shifted. And then the parts underneath it will shift ever so slightly, or you'll have a different the bass line or even, I feel like you have these, I called them like, you've got the staccato, which is that, that guitar part, that I, the arpeggio part. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, the I, I call it the shredding guitar, kind oh, of like yeah. somebody doing this. Um, but I feel like they kind of counterpoint each other. So, when did that blend happen? Because it sounds like they're having these two conversations, you know, as this
0: kind of back and forth. I remember when I sent it to my
1: mom, she said, did you sample
0: the Isley brothers? And I almost cried cause I'm like, yeah, that's what I was going for. I think that's where it comes from. Right? So it's kind of like these half composed pieces around these little stinger pieces from, uh, arcade, obviously there's going to be a volume difference, but then you're going to hear like an EQ difference because the one that's quote unquote louder probably has more high end frequency. The one that's lower has reduced high-end frequency, Mm -hmm. less high-end energy.
1: When did you bring in the drums with this? Like, when did you decide, like, the the, how did you decide kind of, I mean, even further, how did you decide on the timbre of the drums that you wanted to have? Because they sound like they were originally acoustic drums recorded and then kind of manipulated a little bit, too. There's, There's a little bit of that loop sound to them. I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's... Do you know who Jake One is? I sounds familiar but i'm
0: so he's a producer from i think he's from seattle and he did nipsey hustle drake wale gotcha. Jesus, everybody he just did one for russ and so he's been putting out sound kits he's been doing this for a while now just tools for producers and one of the favorite things of mine that he does these they're called snare jordan drum packs and so, you know, he'll put the little wings on there, but it's like a, you know, like, you know, it's like cool little art. But it's like he listens to records just nonstop and he finds the best fills. He finds the best flams. He finds, you know, just those little intricate pieces that aren't just the, you know, sometimes when you make beats, you get caught up in just, okay, we got that snare. We're going to use that well, no, A right. drum hit doesn't sound the same every time you hit it. Right. Like a real drum. Yeah. It's going to be a little looser or it's going to be still rattling from the, previous hit or whatever you know what i'm saying and so i kind of tried to layer it that way where like i altered the volumes for certain hits like if it was like kind of like a rapper file, like a -a you know like the second and the third one i lowered the volume to make it feel like the velocity was going down i use a lot of his fills too where like i would insert fills at the end of phrases but then maybe like cut them up and um stretch them out or you know chop them down or like layer other you know patterns over them you know what i'm saying so to give you that effect like oh this is a real drummer getting busy you know what i mean but right you know but that takes a minute that takes time that takes a couple hours to sit down and really kind of go
1: through it if you were to be teaching your students how to make this specific drum beat like if you wanted to teach them how to create the the joey beat how would you start with them how would you how would you explain like how to start
0: right now i'm teaching beat making one right i wouldn't teach them how to make that beat for example when i think about that beat i think about when you see steph curry do like dribble crossover step back pump fake jab step whatever combo hit the three it's not one thing it's a bunch of little skills stacked on top of each other right so i think about that beat i think about their skills embedded within it right So we've talked about sound design right when i talk about put the rc color on there trying to make it sound like you know it was run through a real amp and recorded somewhere when i think about you know using the arpeggiator to create a different pattern like for example i just taught them hey make sure it's quantized so it'll come out right now i gotta teach them you can slide it off but then you gotta like find you see what i'm saying yeah because
1: when i did that i didn't know that I really do like that arpeggiator line a lot because I feel like that is what ties the whole thing together. It's what keeps it together. I like how, even though it sounds like you're playing the same melody, you're saying it a different way. Like sometimes you'll kind of tweak it a little bit where it's the note gets hit again, kind of. I'm not sure how to say it the right way, but.
0: When I think about that arpeggiator, right, it's got so many different parameters. Okay, Mm -hmm. it'll affect velocity like across the pattern it can change the velocity of the notes right it splits it into two parts right so i could have one part of it at like one eighth rhythm and i could have another part at like three eighths rhythm you Mm. know what i'm saying yeah and then there's things that only happen when you play it from a certain point in the sequencer until you bounce it to audio from the midi you know what i mean so when i think about that like that's one of the ways in which you get those unique patterns it's one another one of the things i teach my students like creating outliers of sound right yeah you know how many people use reason how many people heavily use that particular patch in combination with this arpeggiator and also slide it off B, and also use rc retro when you combine all of them things together which you create is an outlier of sound we're almost like A guitar player who could sound very similar to that almost wouldn't even think to play it
1: like that. That's kind of my favorite thing about this piece. What's your favorite part?
0: I think it's the sequencing. And when I think about the sequencing, like when everything's stacked together. So I have a sequencing formula that I use. And so I'm constantly coming in and out of that, breaking that, tweaking that, redoing it. And so with this one, it goes intro verse. The difference between the pre-hook on this and the pre-hook on one of my traditional beats is because this one is so musical, I didn't have to try so hard to like create a pre-hook, right? Because it already had these natural parts where it was changing anyway. Right. So I did some like drum dropouts and things like that. But there's the parts, but you never rest. It's almost like every instrument is taking turns doing a solo within the sequence of the beat. There's an old beat battle rule everything should change every four bars. And I kind of took that to a whole nother level when I was like, Yo, everything should change every two. Even though this is not like a beat battle style beat, it kind of gives you that kind of variation. So coming back around to when you said uh, pattern without repetition, it kind of gives you more of that effect.
1: Why did you want to pick this beat as your favorite to talk about today?
0: Uh, to be perfectly honest, Everything for the last eight weeks has been all the line I anthem, everything, right. which has been important. Um, and it's awesome. But also, I think people know about it at this point, right? Right. So, everybody's right, right. going to tune in and be like, oh, I didn't know about that. You know, most of, you know if you're in tune to music, what we're doing, you probably know by now. But I want to talk about like my art. <laughs> You know, I definitely have a ton of other songs I could promote with, you know, like those artists that you listed there. Please certainly go check out music by You Gaines. Y-U-N-E-E-R-G-A-I-N-Z. We're inventing a new genre. We're calling it Lullabops. You got to You got to listen to it to find out. Certainly go listen to I'm Up by Greg Whiskey. G-R-E-G. Everybody knows how to spell whiskey featuring Lil Doug, L-I-L-D-O-U-G. It's a dope record. It was actually co-written by Unir Gaines, you know, and then Jarrell and I have music on the way. I really wanted this to be a record by now. And actually, Mm. I've recorded two songs to this beat, Joey. One was okay, it was all right. The second one was amazing, but we couldn't wrap up the business end. And so now it's going through a third iteration. So I think that's the universe saying, just be patient because I know what that piece is. And so I said, hey, it's not a song, but that's what I want to talk about. So that's how we landed on that. I just want to put this out in the universe. I think that the song in finished form will be on, you know, your favorite drama series, you know, your favorite, hopefully, you know, I want to see it on something like insecure or one of the um power universe series shows or something like that that's just my my dream uh for the record and and, in the artists that you know hopefully will be a part of it
1: champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support exile on main street Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Yeah, let's do that. Call me Professor. No, <laughs> well, it's not that serious. You are the producer of the Illini anthem, you know, which premiered. I guess that was a month ago with the opener. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. At, uh, at Illinois, their their first game. Of course, this interview was recorded on September twenty third. So, how did you become involved in that, or, or like, how did that get started? Man, that's a long story. First, second artist I ever worked with was in Chicago. His name
0: is Young General. And he did a song called White Sox Fitted. And he got Mickey Halstead on there and Twan Gabbs. Mickey Halstead is now the uh, manager for G Herbo. Young General, he he does the song, the White Sox hear about it. He gets invited out to perform. He put a Lee Lee England Jr. on it is a black violinist. And they went out to, uh, I guess it was the cell. Is
1: it still the cell? U.S. Cellular Field? Yes. Yeah, it is. No, no, it is not. It is now called Guaranteed Rate Field. And they performed it at the seventh
0: inning stretch. And I kind of knew this was around, this had to be like 2010, maybe, like 2010. At the time, I was getting my master's in Chicago, and I'm still pursuing, you know, music. When I came to Champaign, I kind of had the idea in the back of my mind, like, if you could do it in Chicago, you could definitely do it here in Champaign. There's an audience for it. At some point, I was doing beats for uh, Serge McClain. He was rapping. I think he's still rapping. That was the first time I was really like, it kind of appeared in my mind. Oh, Illini Sports and a rap song. Man, make fire. Yeah. Bust rock together. You know what I mean? Right. This is like really early because, I mean, this is probably eight, nine years ago, and I didn't understand what I was doing in terms of the music industry and music business, you know what I'm saying? So I remember maybe like two years later, I was working with Mother Nature at the IMC. And we were working with some high school kids and this kid, Austin Westray. And I got him to do a couple verses about the basketball team to a beat I made using the old war chant. The song was cool, but you know, as we know, that's, that's culturally inappropriate is based on I'm um, a false trope put forward by Disney about what indigenous peoples do look like and sound like. I think that's fucked up. And I'm glad that the university acknowledged that it's wrong. I want to say about a year ago, the chancellor put out an email about coming up with new traditions and trying to be inclusive and doing things to celebrate our school spirit that invite everybody into the conversation. So Adam J. Cruz, right? He's a professor of music education at U of I. It's important to mention him because, you know, as we talk about tying it all together with this conversation about hip hop and academia, Adam has been the one who has been trying to pull all of these people who are really doing it into the fray at the university. When I told Adam, you know, I got hired, he was instrumental in recruiting me. And so he knew I had a ton of ideas. And so when I went to him, I said, well, I have this idea. He said, well, you're going to need to call Barry uh, Hauser. He's the director of March Carolina. And so how confident I felt about the, and this is less than a year ago. So how confident I felt the, about the idea. We didn't even have a beat yet. I let them pick the sample. They were yeah. like, hey, we should do low brass. Now, as it stands, you know, we, had many Zoom conversations with myself, Barry, Cassie Arner, who's the director of marketing, sports marketing at at the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics, and Jarrell, just planning, trying to figure out how this thing was going to look and sound the whole nine. And so they said, hey, so let do low brass, you know, because me and Jarrell knew like the music is the easy part at this point. Mm. We spent years training ourselves, you know, that's why we teach it. And so, shout out to Jarrell, because Jarell you teaches know, songwriting um, at ISYM. Hip-hop came, too, in the summers. And so, I figured they picked it because it was the only one that had a blues riff. You know, I'm well-practiced in art. Like, I got I got a double black belt beat making. Like, I done been through every challenge, every type, of you backed me into a quarter. You gave me the corniest line out of whatever, I'm going to make a beat. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, I could have took any of the other songs. But I said, oh, okay, I get it. I, I get what they want to do. And so we found a sample of the band playing it and celebrating with the team after a win. Sampled that, looped that, the part Jarrell like Jarrell kept saying, "We got, we need a breakdown." So he asked me to halftime it. You know, what uh, I mean? yeah, yeah. And that's why, which is sick, because you know, if you don't know who Chad Boots Howard is man, and you out here trying to mm. make videos and, and call yourself an artist, I don't know what you're doing. But that's the part where Chad makes it look so nasty. He just slows it down. It looks like the horns are moving in matrix slow motion. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was Jarrell's idea to do it. But, you know, I attribute it to the fact that, you know, he has the vision and I have the skill to execute it. So that's kind of how that came about. And here we are with that.
1: Describe kind of when when it would had it all been put together and, and your first, I guess, you know, live performance and having it unveiled. Normally, it's like the marching I are out there. They yeah. are one large group. Yeah. Instead, it was it was you and Jarell yeah. going out there um and it just if you've ever been out on the field like that it's just super exposed and super i, I want to say very vulnerable moment so yeah. I, I guess i'm curious what your experience for that or, or did you just say i'm just gonna get this or, or like i don't know it just seems it's interesting i'm not a rapper
0: you know to say rapping is a young man's game now i'm gonna always do what the moment requires in most cases, as a producer, I'm okay not being the face of anything, but I knew this specific opportunity, my face had to be involved. So I kind of knew in the back of my mind in the early planning stages, I'll probably do the hype man role, right? Now, Jarrell is well-practiced at rocking stages. You know what I'm saying? And he added this to his resume. It was 41,000 people in that stadium. He's been on a few stages. I've seen it myself. So I was never worried about him. He said when we did it at the ISYM camp for like 60 people, He's like, oh man, you gotta do it because you know that's what you do. I was like, well, I don't do. That. I was like, that's just what you know. All performing is is like you think about like you ever been in a car and your favorite song comes on, and you and all your friends are singing. Yeah. All you're doing is a perform. You're just the lead singer. That's it. Huh. You know. Yeah. And so in a stadium full of people who have been tailgating half the day anyway, and who you know, and the other ones who are sober or drunk on a line eye joy right (laughs) you know either you hate that song or you love that song most people love it and the people that love it like really love it more than they love most hip-hop songs you know what Mm, i'm saying right so all we're doing is being the lead singers in our favorite song Hmm. that's it so that's how i approached it but also i knew like i teach beat making i teach audio recording that's why i wanted this to sound so good because i can't teach this and not you know It's a long story about how they got me teaching audio recording and I could do like a whole dissertation on that piece, but Mm. I know how to do it, but it's not my favorite thing to do. Right. Um, But also we do music business, we do songwriting. And so we need something that exists as an exemplar so that when it's time to teach it, we don't have to re, you know, recreate the wheel. There's a, there's a school of music. There's a university of Illinois exemplar that, Hey, this is how we sold it. This is how we marketed it. This is how we wrote it. This is how we made the beat. This is
1: how it was sampled. And this is how we made the remix. By the way, there is a remix. Oh, you teach recording and and also beat making and are a professor at the University of Illinois in the School of Music. So how did that Come about? Like, when did you decide, or or when did you say, you know what? I want to. Not only do I want to create music, but I also want to share it with other people and teach them how to do it. So I started making beats
0: in two thousand seven. I met Adam in twenty fifteen, maybe twenty sixteen. I can't remember. Anyway, I whatever that year was, I took his classes. And he was the first one to be like, "Bro, you could, you're pretty good at this. You could teach this. You could be good at this. Pursue this professionally." Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was working with a kid artist here, and we were kind of blowing up a little bit. Uh, we were on the front page of the news gazette and things like that. And so, it didn't quite work out. But that's when I knew I was. I was like, "Okay, well, maybe I need to try to get somewhere else and look for some other opportunities outside of Champagne." Now, in terms of like beginning making beats in 07, I mean. I went to U of I in undergrad and I was living on second and John and I remember I was listening to uh Outcast Love Below speaker box. And I had a dream that I made a beat and I woke up and I didn't know how I did it. Oh. I've been wanting to make beats for a long time. It's just that the the barrier of entry is just now low enough to where anybody could literally start trying it. Mm. Even at a young age. When I was a kid you needed like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. And my parents weren't hearing about that kind of money unless it involved, you know, education. And so that's kind of why I do teach, because I want people that, especially kids who want to make music and, you know, might not be able to afford an instrument or don't have a home situation where they can lug it back and forth to school safely
1: to be able to get involved. Do you ever find it difficult for people to take beat making Seriously, at least from maybe your peers or I mean, not to call anybody out, but it just like you you
0: say that I'm looking on Instagram, brother, Wendell Patrick, official music, Wendell Patrick, official music. Okay, he's a musical polymath, professor of hip hop at Peabody Conservatory slash Jackson Howard University. I believe that's. I'm not actually I'm not sure what the J.H.U. stands for icon artist, excellent artist, host of artworks on MPT slash PBS, Harvard Nas Fellow, twenty one, twenty two. He plays multiple instruments at prodigy level. He also can scratch Mm. as well as DJ premier. He can compose, he can finger drum, he can do everything. And the reason I do, and I don't know this dude, right? Right. But he, again, always look for exemplars, right? Anybody who doesn't believe that hip hop is a real art form, is a real discipline, he can do what you can do just as well as you, and then he can do this hip hop thing right. that well too. And so that's why I kind of like bring him up, right? So now if you're talking about specifically at the University of Illinois, I mean, and really even more broadly, those people exist who don't believe it, but they don't say anything. I'll put them in front of a doll and say, make music and they can't do it. And then also I know people that play instruments when they play the music that they read, it is amazing. But they also couldn't compose music. I've had students before where they're going on to play at Carnegie Hall. And I say, hey, uh, you know, they're either learning taking beat making or maybe they were doing um, I was we we did a class. We were talking about monetizing skills. And so at some point I was teaching people who play instruments how to make loop packs to sell. Right. And so like I had violin players, piano players, whatever. And they were like well i don't really compose i play So i said all right do this find your favorite song play the chords and then instead of playing the top line make up your own top line they're like okay i can do that that sounds stupid." well that's <laughs> right <laughs> that's what this is <laughs> right you know what i'm saying so like yeah, well a minute ago, and, and i'm not lying because you asked me a minute ago like how
1: do i do it that's how i do it that's like right. that's how i cook it up one of the things i did actually mean to ask earlier like As we're creating new traditions in Memorial Stadium, it doesn't sound like you have encountered anybody that's just like, how dare you take away, you know, our usual, whatever, the three-in-one or whatever, all those those other traditions, quote-unquote, that have their own, some very problematic things attached to them. And then to kind of change, I know that there's always like that strident, like, no, we can't make things change. But I feel like this is such a positive thing to head towards, how did that feel to to be able to go up But you know
0: the r- the ratio of positive to negative feels like about you know the un- the unofficial pulse feels about like 10 to 1 maybe mm. 12 to 1 you know there's I've seen a hateful comment here some people just that, that was stupid somebody on twitter they took a kids bot video set the song to a kids bot video and go i knew i knew the line of anthem reminded me of something and then wrote duck listen it, that's funny you had to listen to it to to make that video you had to listen to it a couple of times then you had to record it and thank you yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying you put money in my pocket but and then there's people that's like this is this ain't replacing nothing it's not mm. you know what i'm saying it's part of the repertoire you know and, and i kind of on some level i feel bad for barry because he's getting hate on but some people why are you still doing this why are you not doing this you know what I mean? Like, I'm probably on Barry, hey, man, why are we perform at that game? Man, I'm on Barry line, you know what I mean? So to, to some extent, like, it, it's a tough position because, you know, he's caught between the public and in, in DIA and, you know, people have been doing it forever. I'll say this, after we performed it at the Nebraska game, I thought they was going to mix it up and show, like, other people. I know was going to see, like, all J. Cole videos. So now we're looking at a J. Cole video from, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what these songs are because – you know, I don't, I don't. I stopped watching music videos a long time ago. I promise yeah. I'm older than I look. Uh, <laughs> but um, after the game, um, I was meeting my son outside at the Red Grange statue. That, you know, we left at halftime. I was waiting on his mom to bring him out. And I started talking to this couple. They were a little bit older. I get to talking to him, and this guy tells me his last name is Eichelberger. He's the brother of the Eichelberger whose name is on with one of the buildings. I don't know. But I yeah, know you yep. got to have a lot of money to get your name on a building. And so, look, not for nothing, that's a representation of an older generation who the people you would think would say, no, we don't like that. And they liked it. They told me they liked it. They enjoyed it. I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, first of all, and, and, and then when it comes back, because it's not just the beat. I mean, You know, I I had the idea for a long time because I always want to bring people together, but also Jarrell wrote an amazing record, something that really brings people together, something that really, you know, connects the dots and paints that bigger picture, you know?
1: Kind of my last and final thought in this section is, you know, as we've gone through the pandemic and thought about the spaces that we have, the musical spaces, the music scene, how... Do we want to make things better? How do we want to look at the things that are great about a music scene or things that are you know not so great about the music scene? But I feel like this could be looped into the idea of like what makes a good music program that's inclusive? I think it's in the staff
0: one one of the things that attracted me to the job was the staff and the music ed department i i I fuck with them. You know, Gina and Nichols, Adam J. Cruz, uh, Bridget Sweet, Donna Gallo, they're good people. Um, they they know their stuff. You know, it's kind of, that was my segue in just because I had the education background. I used to teach English at Edison Middle School. And then I meet the other experts, you know, in my field in, in composition and Carlos Carrillo and Kareth uh, Levengood and, you know, uh, Eli Fieldstiel and. They really know their stuff. And so, again, why they got me teaching audio recording. So in education, there's this thing called Bloom's Taxonomy, and it represents the lowest levels of learning and the highest levels of learning at the lowest levels is memorization. It's repeating at the highest levels it's synthesis and creation. And when it comes to beat making, like I'm at the highest levels, I've studied it. I have the confidence. I got my 10,000 hours in the whole nine. When it comes to audio recording, I'm probably closer to the middle, you know, like, I don't just dream- wake up every morning dreaming of audio recording. And some people really do. Right. And so, like, I can do it, but I got to think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, beat making, I can It's like, I can make a beat in my sleep. When they hired me, I told them this. And they were like, that's okay. We want you to do it anyway. I think Eli Field still is a lot better at it than I am. But I know also he's got some, because a lot of our, our job isn't just teaching it's uh research you know to be better at what we do and his practice and and so eli's got some some of his ambitions as well you know i was up in that his ems studio my goodness man he got like the the speakers that they got to fly the german engineer in and tune them to the room in there you know what i'm saying so and like that's fire that's fire but also like i just want to sit right here and make beats you know what yeah. i'm saying
1: Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged, home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe C-U-C-C Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. welcome back so l what is your favorite non-musical thing or things uh cooking yeah i've been you know, I, had, I had to lose some weight it was i don't know
0: people won't tell you how big you are but i got back to champagne when i got back from atlanta and I really worked hard i'm not vegan but you know i try to adopt a lot of vegan principles but it was like, man, how you lost a lot of weight. Like how big was I? <laughs> but in that I started cooking more because, you know, one of the ways to lose weight is stop eating out so much. Right. And so I'm paying attention to way more attention to what I'm eating. And so there's like a certain amount of time I can go without anything, and then I'll have to eat some fish. Mm-hmm. I'll be trying to stay away from the cheese. There's no there's no dairy milk at all. There's I got you know, I do almond milk, oat milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I do enjoy cooking, and so the other day I hadn't had any seafood for a while, so I hooked up some salmon, seared it, then threw it in a pan at a low t- and baked it at a low temp. Same thing with some of that Alaskan red carp, uh shrimp, mm-hmm. deshelled that, seared it real quick, then popped it in a pan in the oven. You know, did a little reduction of a of a of a almond milk, a little lime juice, garlic. A little red, white, uh, red, green peppers, and mm. uh, drizzle that on there with some green onions, some parsley. After you pull it out. I had put it on my on my IG. Follow me on IG at the letter L beats T H E L E T T E R L B E A T S because that's the other thing. I, yeah, I, I'll cook something. And I'll post a little food porn on there for you. So,
1: do you have a favorite
0: dish? I have a dish I make called Slutty Nachos. It's like a multi-layer, you know, nacho, but Everything on there is freshly made. I make my sour cream out of tofu. Um, I do the the impossible meat. Sometimes I'll do some shrimp. I'll do the pinto beans, the fresh, soak them, cook them for a couple hours, you know what I'm saying? Bust them down. So you got that nice texture, consistency. I like textures. and consi- Coming back to, you know, beet making yeah. is kind of a similar thing. So get a little black beans on there. If I'm feeling real crazy, so I'll put the chips in there and I'll just start topping stuff in there. When I got everything in there, I'll put more chips on top. But if I'm feeling real, real crazy, I'll make some quesadillas. I try to stick to the to the to the to the non dairy cheese. Mm. Sometimes I might pop some cheese in there in in the quesadillas. Or do the non dairy cheese with with the dairy cheese sauce. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Taper that off a little bit. Temper that off.
1: L, thank you for being on the show. This has been fun and i'm i'm glad to have finally met you and i know that like way back when we kind of connected on instagram and then somehow in instagram i just kind of got lost track of it and i meant to get back to you and then the alina anthem came out and yeah. i was like i have to talk to you at some point very soon and so i i really appreciate you taking the time and setting up to record here in your studio and i just thank you so much i appreciate it
0: thank you i appreciate you for having me and uh yeah this was awesome i I had fun thank you for listening to champagne is also a band podcast this is the letter l beats reminding you great music is out there go find it where you live
1: black belt beat making Yay. that's a wrap you almost have an npr voice it's so good <laughs> <laughs> studio, South Peter, on
0: the inside. Uh, i'll cook something i'll post a little food porn on there for you so